It's like, what are you doing with your day? Are you distracting yourself? Um, and for me, I was, and I am. It's, I, I want to feel this intimacy, not just with, with my wife or my children, but I want to feel with, with these conversations that, that we get to have every day. So how do, how do you put myself in a situation where I can have more of these conversations where I can share and heal and, and heal myself and help others through this lived experience and, and looking at others as an extension of me. If you're in pain, I'm in pain. If I'm in pain, you're in pain. Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. My name is Keith Fiveson. On this show, I had the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Matt Zeman. Matt is the author of Psychedelics for Everyone, and he's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Happy. It's a mental wellness company that specializes in psychedelic-assisted oral ketamine therapy, along with digital therapeutics that promote life-transforming outcomes. I spoke to him for some time about his book, Psychedelics for Everyone. It's really a great book. It's a beginner's guide to the powerful medicines that really help treat anxiety, depression, addiction, PTSD, and expanding consciousness, of course. Um, the focus of the conversation was not only about his book, but about his, his transformation and his lifelong journey. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Matt's a great guy. So I hope you enjoy the conversation too. Mr. Matt Zeman, welcome. Hey, hey, hey. I am here with Matt Zeman. Do I got that right, Matt? Matt Keith, Zeman? you have it right. Yes. I yes, have indeed. it right. Oh, my goodness gracious. Matt, you are, uh, you and I have met. We met down in Miami at Wonderland at the conference. I have your book. Uh, I am really just so happy to have you on the show. Uh, you have a new book called Psychedelics for Everyone, a beginner's guide to these powerful medicines for anxiety, depression, addiction, PTSD, and expanding consciousness. Oh my God, how did you get all that in one book? And why did you write this book, Matt? Tell me, what's Keith, up? I what's am up? so appreciative you have me on. It was nice to meet you just a few weeks ago. And I, and I feel like when I look at you, I'm looking at the ghost of Christmas future. It's, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Is it the beard, man? It's all of the above. I'm like, wait a minute. So I need a scarf. I need to grow my beard a little bit longer and glasses are be okay. It's, oh, good, man. <laughs> I love that. That's good. So yeah, I mean, you, you, we, you, you were vibing. You were really... At the conference, I was looking at you. You were vibing. You were. You had a lot of people surrounding you. What's going on with the book, and 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 what made you write the book? Yeah, I mean, so, so the book, the, the feedback has been just tremendous. I'm I'm so excited that that the book is getting into people's hands and that it's making an impact on them. Um, what went into writing is I had a, I had a really profound experience with my first guided psychedelic mm. journey, mm -hmm. and it I it opened my mind to things that I just didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. That led to kind of a deep dive, going back to school, diving into psychedelic conferences, and then diving into a number of different medicines mm. and teachers, mm. and then wanting to put this into a book where you didn't need a science background to understand mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. but that you also could trust that this has been medically reviewed, there's there's sources mm -hmm. cited, mm -hmm. and you could uh, people can read it and make up their own minds on whether psychedelics are right for them or someone they loved or... Uh, Hmm. maybe even impact on how they vote. 
Mm. So you say it opened your mind to things that you didn't know existed. What do you mean by that? What what I mean, you know, for a lot of folks, they think of psychedelics, they think of like, you know, it's a hallucination, like you're going into some, you know, you see psychedelic art and they kind of go, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of like, you know, that's not for me. I, I like to be like present with my life. But tell me a little bit, what does that mean? to you and 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 why do you think now is the time in terms of the benefits of psychedelic yeah so i think people find their way to to thinking or, or wanting to potentially explore psychedelics for a number of reasons some mm -hmm. people it's a it's a religious quest they're there they want to have a different understanding of the universe or what they right. they refer to as god uh they want to feel more connected um so that's kind of one path others they have some type of trauma or healing that they want to take place mm -hmm. still others it's i want to optimize or be the best version of me i can be mm -hmm. um and then wow. others are find it for more of just a recreational purpose for mm -hmm. me it was curiosity mm -hmm. that um and it was some trusted friends who said this might be good for you mm -hmm. who i guess saw some uh opportunities that i might not have been aware of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I went into my guided psychedelic experience, my first mm -hmm. one, with with pretty low expectations. I mean, I, to, mm -hmm. to what you said, I expected the, the, oh, I want to see the visuals and the colors, and mm -hmm. um, and I heard what people were saying of the medicine's going to teach you things, but I didn't mm -hmm. know what it meant mm -hmm. until I found myself reconnecting with my mom who died mm -hmm. when she was forty nine. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, I cannot. And it's and it's different than someone yeah. telling you. It's I yeah. could feel her mm -hmm. and I could feel right. the connection between her and me. And I could feel the connection between me and my children mm. and understanding that there is a part of her that is still here. There's a part of her that I'm carrying forward. Mm. There's a part of her that my kids are carrying mm. forward. Mm -hmm. This is my lineage. This is mm. uh right. It was so beautiful mm -hmm. and That's beautiful. That's and I beautiful. felt so loved. I felt so uh, safe. beautiful. Well, you know, my mom died at 51 and you mm -hmm. and I share uh both that dual lineage i mean jewish and christian you know you're you've got that you know i what what, what did you what did you call yourself you call you <laughs> cashew you, i was half cashew Catholic, half yeah, you're right i'm i'm a, I'm a cashew too yeah. but i i called myself a potato canish because you know I, <laughs> i've got that irish side right mm -hmm. you know, there's that irish side but i think that kind of opens you up it kind of opens up your consciousness to kind of say well you know who am i and what am i and Tell me a little bit about this 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 connection you had, you know, with with mom, and you know, you've also opened it up to your son, and you've opened it up to, you know, other areas. I mean, you've you've kind of really dived into this in some respect. I mean, you have a book, and you know, it's a great book. As I say, I've looked at it as a reference tool in the work that I'm doing as a you know as as a psychedelic assisted therapy provider. But tell me, tell tell me that means a lot what happened you know what happened on this journey that you took and you were with your mom because it was very it was very touching and moving can you share some of that yeah, i'll share some of that yeah. and then i do want to come back though to um yeah. <clears throat> the growing up jewish and catholic piece but oh good yeah uh, but yeah i mean <laughs> on the journey yeah i knew i've never been as sad as uh, i mean my father died before my mom and that uh -huh. was just a different type of death it was a different type of grief hmm. um i've never ever been as sad before or after as that experience of burying mm -hmm. my mom um like the, I, I i write about the book the the word wail mm -hmm. i like people wail i didn't know mm -hmm. what that meant mm -hmm. until my mom passed um mm -hmm. so 
Mm-hmm. And then I think as, as either men do or as entrepreneurs do, or as I do, mm-hmm. I tucked it away. I just kind of moved on with life. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this experience, it became apparent to me that I was living my life afraid of dying, that, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I was doing a lot of things that were, um, were selfish, mm-hmm. that were not in the spirit of being connected, that were not in the mm-hmm. spirit of that I have eternal lives or multiple lives to live and that this is all about growing and it's going to be okay and that I'm safe. Um, and I also realized that mm-hmm. I really didn't feel loved and uh, mm-hmm. safe mm-hmm. until, but the psychedelic medicine reminded me mm-hmm. of what those feelings felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's sort of a sense of, I kind of like, there's a, a sense of the womb, right? I mean, there's a sense of the ineffable the sense of the connection with everything with one and everything but I, I i so resonate with this with this feeling of you know like many many people there's this denial of death and the ability to really come face to face with not only the death of a loved one but then your own death and then what are you dying for what are you living for how are you going to go ahead and live your life and not just sort of be busy doing stuff in the middle of and I think that's the th- dark, that, you know? that's the thread that once you start to unravel mm-hmm. that's that's the practice I mean that mm. that's the that's the, for me is the, such the incredible gift of psychedelics mm. that um mm-hmm. it, it it it's for whatever reason you approach it at least in my experience mm-hmm. you come to this understanding of okay wait a minute mm-hmm. we are all con- we are all connected we are there is this this other energy out there that we can tap into mm-hmm. there is love that is universal that um and that we are okay we are enough right now as we are we are loved right now as we are mm-hmm. and there's plenty of resources right now as we are right um so then it's like what are you doing with your day mm. why are you doing this are you right. distracting yourself? Um, and for me, I was, and I am. It's I. I want to feel this mm-hmm. intimacy, not just with mm-hmm. with my wife or my children, but I want to feel with with these conversations that that mm. we get to have every day. Right. So how do how do you put myself in a situation where I can have more of these conversations, where I can share and heal and and heal myself mm-hmm. and help others? through this mm. lived experience and, and looking at others as an extension of me. Mm-hmm. If you're in pain, I'm in pain. If I'm in pain, you're in pain. Right. And, and that's is... a that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you really write about this in your five personal experiences in your book. You know, you've got like a chapter on processing grief, you've mm-hmm. got healing trauma, gaining empathy, reigniting spirituality, and ke- connecting with your child. So when you're when you went through this journey and you really connected in with that 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 side of yourself that you felt like you really needed you know you 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 were alone or you needed to be seen and heard and recognized that's that's when you connected in with mom huh without a doubt and 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 that's when i realized that i am i am her moving mm-hmm. forward so mm-hmm. i don't have to be sad that she's gone mm-hmm. i can love the time i had with her and then love the pieces of her that i'm carrying forward Mm. And and I'll take it one more step, but I can also look back, which is part of this work. And and when I look at my parents, like my father was so dysfunctional. It's so mm-hmm. easy to look at him and be like, okay, he was a raging alcoholic. He was a womanizer, super smart, good provider. Mm. 
but sounds, not, sounds like we had the same father. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we did. Wait a minute. Now this looking alike thing is getting a little nervous. Yeah. But but um but just a lot of challenges. So easy to say, okay, he's he was not my good influence, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. But through this process, I was also able to look at my mom and mm. say, okay, there are some choices that she made as a parent that right. I wouldn't make now. Um and I can but they were it was the, it was as much love as she was mm -hmm. able to give given her background. Mm. Um and even through you know just to make it one more step of complicated mm -hmm. I it's easy for me to say I wouldn't make those choices but I did in trying to unravel those. These are the habits from both of my parents that I've now adapted or adopted. Mm -hmm. And now I now through psychedelic medicine trying to name those be aware of those and and eject the ones that aren't working for me and inject the opposite mm -hmm. is, is again part of the practice mm. Mm. that's beautiful and you know i think um you you sort of hit right into or right to the core of sort of how we t how, how how we tick right you know and uh, there are a lot of things that are going on for folks that they're trying to unravel and trying to get all bunched up and get all wrinkled so what i hear you saying is that in taking the psychedelics you were able to kind of step away from the take your hands off the wheel and step away from the vehicle and see what kind of you know vehicle you had and how it was running and and how it was made, you know, and you are the vehicle. I mean, you know, and your children are, and you had your son, uh, you, you actually had your son there with you on one of your journeys. I read, is that right? I did. I did. I took him to it. He asked if he could uh -huh. come with me to a psychedelic medicine retreat. And, uh, -huh. uh at the time he was 16 uh -huh. and, um, I asked, well, do you want to do psychedelics? Is that why you're uh -huh. asking? And he said, uh -huh. no, actually I have no interest. I just want to see what you're up to. And I thought, well, that's really an interesting question. Mm -hmm. And I ended up bringing him out. Mm -hmm. um, and th this particular retreat, it's it's two days of kind of spiritual lecture, 12 hours a day of just content. Mm -hmm. And then on the third day, there's a sacramental meditation. And the end of that evening, you, you kind of everybody comes together and there's an integration. And the next mm -hmm. day is an integration day. Mm -hmm. And during the sacramental meditation, he became the facilitator's helper. So he was responsible mm -hmm. to make sure everybody had water, everybody had blankets. If anyone needed to go to the bathroom, he helped walk him back and forth. And um, at one point, I was deep into my work mm -hmm. and I opened my eyes and he's mm -hmm. standing in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I was able to just uh, to mm -hmm. say to him that like no one gives us, and both my parents mm -hmm. died when I was young, no one gives mm -hmm. us an instruction manual for mm -hmm. how to be a parent. And mm. I'm just doing the best that I know how to do. And then I need him to know that if nothing else, mm -hmm. I love him very, very much. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And we end up hugging mm -hmm. and I could feel like the mm -hmm. DNA wrapping right. around us and just mm. holding like us. An Alex Gray, like exactly. an Alex Gray painting. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Exactly. Yeah. It was beautiful. And then just fast forward. So mm -hmm. that evening, mm -hmm. I mean, again, all everybody at this retreat, now that's, I guess there's some people who are in there early 20s but mm -hmm. for the most part we're all 40s 50s 60s at mm -hmm. this retreat and he saw grown adults talking about mm -hmm. marital issues and work issues and not sure what you want to be when you grow up and mm -hmm. i never had any of that insight as a, as a kid he saw men grown men crying mm -hmm. other men holding mm -hmm. them other men saying to men i love you um mm -hmm. in a platonic beautiful, beautiful way mm -hmm. and um at the end of the retreat he ended up raising his hand and saying to the group he's like i want to thank you all for what you're mm -hmm. doing for my dad that he's never mm -hmm. been this emotionally available to mm -hmm. me 
Beautiful. And I really appreciate it. I was like, wow, I would never have said that at 16. Right. right. And this was something that you were you were a little concerned about when I re remember in the book, like whether or not you could be authentic, right? And here, yeah, you I were, mean, and here you were, you were opening up to your son. How beautiful. It was beautiful. I wasn't sure. I mean, you know, with the medicine, if you're not open, mm -hmm. it sometimes just doesn't work. And mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't sure with him there if I would feel self-conscious or if I'd want to be in that control role of I'm the parent, I know, and I right. need to stay in control. But um, I think this container of this particular facility mm -hmm. was so safe that um, that I felt like I could, mm -hmm. he was in good hands and I was in good hands mm -hmm. and let this happen. And there's a reason we're, we're both there together. So it was right. a truly a beautiful. beautiful moment. Beautiful. So you bring, you bring the reader through uh, a, a journey, right? You bring the reader through this journey of your five personal experiences, and then you get into the whole area of uh, psychedelics 101. You have part two, and you really start to touch in on all the other areas in terms of uh, psychedelics, psychedelic therapy, and so on. Can you kind of bring me through and maybe help help people listening really understand what is this book about? And, you know, because you didn't write the whole book you brought together you 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 yourself brought together experts from the field who really understood these areas right and i i really want to take it as well because this is the mindfulness experience i really want to take it as well to really understand uh maybe some of the neuroscience involved in the you know because that's a lot of your background and 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 whether or not all psychedelics work the same way from your viewpoint there's a lot to unpack here and i i just why don't we just start on the high level maybe with just the structure of the book and and why you structured it the way you did and what sure. your intentions were there you know happy to do that so i structured it with a um mm -hmm. the preface or sorry i wrote a preface but the introduction or forward is written by a gentleman named dr carlos water mm -hmm. so carlos is uh dr water is 75 he's written 22 books speaks eight languages he's an md phd and he's mm -hmm. been he was originally trained in psychedelic medicine <clears throat> in chile so he's been working with these psychedelic medicines for 50 years mm -hmm. and um he does i think a, a fantastic job of framing the human promise mm -hmm. and regardless of how you get to psychedelic medicine that the the use of this technology mm -hmm. as a catalyst for human promise Mm -hmm. is uh is really beautiful um and it can look like i have a diagnosis of depression anxiety eating disorders ocd and i want to fix it i can look like i have a trauma it can look like i want to optimize but at mm -hmm. the end of the day it's all about growing so i think mm -hmm. he does a great job of, of starting mm -hmm. the book i then share five personal stories just as a as a sampling mm -hmm. of how for one person psychedelic medicine has made a difference in multiple areas so mm -hmm. sample of one of one mm -hmm. and then i go into a a section of um just kind of psychedelics 101 just mm -hmm. what is the history where did they come from what was all the research that had been done before the controlled substances act of 1970 mm -hmm. um right. what are things to be aware of and as you think about whether psychedelic medicine may be right for you or someone you loved or mm -hmm. for your citizens mm -hmm. and then dove into eight different of the most common psychedelic medicines mm -hmm. right trying to provide a framework of like what is this medicine how does it work what does it feel like how do you do it and then what is the research saying for right. this particular medicine what's it being used for 
Right. And it's um, great because you're touching on magic mushrooms, psilocybin, ayahuasca, MDMA, LSD, San Pedro peyote, ibogaine, and uh, and what else did I miss? DMT and 5-MeO-DMT. Yeah. yeah. So you're, and, I mean, you really, and, you know, from a reference viewpoint for someone who's really trying to figure it out, you've really covered the major ones, right? Yeah, I think so. I think these are the mo the most common eight that people and ketamine. We forgot ketamine would would uh would uh would find themselves in. So people might find themselves with ketamine because it's legal and they right. can and it's and they can get a prescription and they can work with it tomorrow. Right. Um, but and then through underground methods or through international methods, they may find their way to any of those other um or through clinical studies, might find their way to any of those other medicines. Um mm -hmm. and then I think people just don't I don't think I don't I didn't know that the FDA had given breakthrough therapy designation to both MDMA and psilocybin. And I didn't right. understand what was happening both here and in Canada with those two medicines for veterans and victims of sexual assault and people mm -hmm. with treatment resistant depression and substance use and mm -hmm. a chronic smokers and alcoholics. It's yeah, I mean, the research is, is pretty, pretty phenomenal. Well, I think you asked a, you asked a question about how do these medicines work mm -hmm. in the, uh, right. in the brain. Yeah, let's get back. Let's get back there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and we can get into, we can talk, each one might have a slight, let's, they have different biological, mm -hmm. um, mechanisms. So whether it increases the BDNF or whether it, um, um, increases uh, neuroplasticity or synaptic strength, mm -hmm. let's put that over in a, in a bucket. Um, they all though stifle what we call the default mode network. So it right. kind of quiets down that inner narrator that we're all used to listening to all the time and that immediately provides mm -hmm. like that relief from um a lot of anxiety and and mm -hmm. a common thing you'll hear with people who are just starting their psychedelic medicine journeys is oh my gosh i feel like the weight of the world was lifted off mm -hmm. my shoulders right right when they come out of that journey it's like oh my gosh i didn't realize how much of the weight of the world i had on my shoulders mm -hmm. i just forgot it just became normal right and, and the default mode network is that self-referential side of the brain that really for a lot of people is really where the ego lies, mm -hmm. which is I am this, you are that, and, you know, we're not the same. And, you know, what you're saying here is that it quiets the default mode network and you're able to, like, get down to your history. You're able to sink into the unconscious mind and really start to take a look at some things that you might have repressed or you know didn't take a look at more right know, because you've removed the shame blame mm -hmm. and guilt narrator mm -hmm. that is gone so you mm -hmm. can look at something that might have been traumatic and not put blame on yourself or on the individual and you can just look at it for what it was and mm -hmm. then from that you can start to process it in a way that years of therapy might not have gotten mm -hmm. gotten you to well, that's where I was going to go. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, I've been, uh, meditating and I've been in therapy for over 35 years and, uh, I've been a meditator for over 30 years. And, you know, I mean, meditation, I think is, and, and, you know, obviously I've been on journeys as well, but I think what the question I've got is that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people may think that psychedelics are the expressway towards enlightenment or towards realization and i'm i i, I want to back it up a little bit and kind of talk about you know i do want to get back to the cashew conversation by the way but i i do want to talk about this sort of the idea of 
mindfulness as it relates to set setting is the administration and where you're doing it at but also integration and what i call activation as well which is how do i bring this into my life and how do i literally live with this new expanded version of myself if you will do you can you speak to that yeah. a little bit more in your thoughts i think so let's stick then so we talked about the biochemical reaction we talked mm -hmm. about shutting down the default or quieting down the default mode network so let's talk about just two more stages of of how psychedelics work and i think this is going to lead right into this mindfulness Great. discussion Perfect. the third stage is what we call a disassociative effect. Now it can be a can be truly disassociative. Ketamine is a disassociative anesthetic, or it can be what uh, ayahuasca or psilocybin creates, where you're kind of separating you. You're able to kind of have an out of body experience. Mm -hmm. There might be visuals with that. There might be um, you might be more open to subconscious thoughts, and that is freeing. So you start combining those three things together. Now you have your ability to have these subconscious thoughts appear, sometimes in, in visual form or, or story form. And then we get to the fourth piece, which is the spiritual piece. Mm -hmm. In many patients, when when they've taken uh, like the mystical mystic score analysis mm -hmm. component, um, they have said that the psychedelic medicine has connected them with the higher power whatever that is for that person. And they've connected them with life around them in a different way that mm -hmm. they they might not have normally seen. And that in itself offers peace um, from depressive feelings. So you you said on the mindfulness piece that um, it's a panacea. In some ways, it's a people think of this as a panacea. If I take this, this will happen. And now I've hit the, it's a, I've shortcut the process. Mm -hmm. I would reframe that a little bit and say it's a catalyst that mm -hmm. for many people, including me, psychedelic medicine showed me what was possible mm -hmm. but it's not a cure you don't take it and it fixes you because there's fundamentally there's nothing wrong with you to begin with it mm -hmm. opens up your mind to a new way of being mm -hmm. and then starts the practice mm -hmm. and for me i wasn't a very good meditator before i tried i just couldn't it just didn't didn't resonate mm -hmm. um after psychedelics oh it, it makes a ton of sense mm -hmm. i love my quiet time Mm -hmm. um i've loved being more aware um and having that practice of awareness as i go through the day outside of the meditation time mm -hmm. um it's yeah so once you see what is possible once you feel what is possible then right. the game becomes how much of the day can i feel that can i be aware mm -hmm. and that's that's the practice so uh mm -hmm. yeah so i don't i it's not that it fixes it's a it's a catalyst it's a it's a it's a indicator that you then get to practice afterwards right. right because there's you know there is a lot of hype right now and a lot of you know certainly we have this podcast uh we're the mindfulness experience and mm -hmm. the real focus has really been on contemplative practice and really looking at you know things like buddhism and taoism and zen and you know the opportunity to just be mindful just to breathe the understanding of the physiology the biology the neurology and I uh, am very, very intrigued with what's happening now in terms of the legalization and really understanding that, you know, psychedelics are currently illegal in the United States. And, you know, there is some research, as you well pointed out, I think there's now over 400 uh, uh, research studies that are going, clinical trials that are going on. And, you know, there's 80, 86, last time I checked, there's 86,000 scholarly papers on uh, psychedelics and, and the overall use. What do you think? Do you think there's potential for them to become legal in the future? And 
If so, do you think it's uh, going to be a little like cannabis in hmm. terms of, you know, the recreational side? You know, what are your what do you think the dangers of 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 legalization or what do you think the dangers are of psychedelics in general? I mean, tell me a little bit about your perspective there. So I wouldn't do this on any normal podcast, mm -hmm. but because mm -hmm. this is your podcast, mm -hmm. if whoever is listening to this mm -hmm. knows you, knows your work, and they've listened to whatever, 30 minutes of this. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give a much deeper answer than normal. Mm -hmm. When we talk about legalization or decriminalization, mm -hmm. there, there's, a, there's a few different camps that people should just be aware of. There's one camp, which would be the medical model, the westernization model, which is let's create a framework mm -hmm. to provide legalized medicine to adults 21 and older provided monitored by the state. Mm -hmm. So what passed in Colorado, half of the bill was about that, this Proposition 122. What hap what's happening in Oregon, that's that's the type of model is what we're, what we're talking about. It's a Western medicalization model. Mm -hmm. Rick Doblin and the good people at MAPS with their push to, be, to make MDMA legal again, it's a medical model. That's what they're going. So mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Put that, in, put that in bucket number one. Mm -hmm. The second camp is the decriminalization model. And this is where, where they say all plants mm -hmm. should be legal. I mean, There's, all plants, they're plants from the earth. Why are we illegal? Why are we making them illegal? Yeah. Correct. And, and mm -hmm. yes, and they are illegal and the illegal is being illegal is wrong. Mm -hmm. There should be no compromise. These should be legal period. Decriminalize nature now. Right. It's a beautiful sentiment. And there are many cities that are doing decriminalization models. Mm -hmm. So Colorado did both. They did, a, they passed a, a legalization framework and decriminalized five psychedelic medicines um, where there is it's not the same as being legal mm -hmm. it's just the lowest um, priority for law enforcement right and um, to be clear ketamine is legal ketamine is legal today yep. you know, and and you can go into a clinic and you can go ahead and you know do a ketamine assisted therapy program and you, you're involved with the therapist and you're 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 doing it you know, you're you can still you can still buy it off, you know, off brand or in the black market or in the underground, like all of these chemicals. But 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 go on. I'm sorry I interrupted. Yeah. Um, so then, and then the third, just the third flavor for your listeners to be aware of is the religious um, mm -hmm. model, which is I want to use psychedelics as a sacrament and mm -hmm. I would like it to be legal and I'd like a DEA exemption under the Religious Freedom Act to become, to practice my religion. With the exception of a couple ayahuasca churches and the Native American church, no DEA exemption, no exemptions have happened under religious freedom yet. So uh, that's also been an eye opener through this process of, I thought we lived in a country with religious freedom and I was wrong. We have some religious freedoms, but not all religious well, freedoms. Well, I mean, there is the Eric Osborne, uh, you know, he's got the sanctuary church and there are a few that are using you know they're using uh whether or not it's ayahuasca or other you know uh, psilocybin or mdma they're using them as sacraments you know yeah so they're getting the exemption through the uh, or actually what they're doing is they're getting not an exemption they're getting a mon they're still monitored by the uh, dea as they have to maintain certain standards and certain rigors yeah right but it as far as I know, unless they haven't gotten the exemption yet. So it's, they mm -hmm. could be told to stop at any point and they could be told what they're do doing is illegal. And there's mm -hmm. a number of people who have, my understanding has applied and have had no feedback to mm -hmm. date mm -hmm. from them. Is that right? My, okay. Yeah. So my, my, the bigger point though, is that, um, hmm. 
as we look at these different you asked what's like is this going to be yeah, legal where's what's, where, yeah. what's, where's it going so i think it's important that people understand that these groups are all interested in psychedelics getting out to the population and they mm -hmm. don't necessarily agree with each other in this colorado example mm -hmm. there were people on the decriminalization nature who fought against the bill mm -hmm. because they don't believe the state should have any they, there's just no room for compromise mm -hmm. um so these are ideological differences um mm -hmm. and everybody can have their opinion but that's that's just that's part of what's happening. What do I think is going to happen? I think I think MDMA is going to be legalized mm -hmm. by the federally for mm -hmm. in a medical model in the next two years. Yeah. yeah, for therapy. I think psilocybin the same thing. I think we'll continue to see states and cities with this decriminalization model, mm -hmm. and then I don't know. Uh, I mean, cannabis still the, the legality at a federal level for this. It's 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 a ways off, and no one is really talking about. Mm. psychedelics for recreational purposes mm -hmm. what's super interesting though if you talk to somebody who doesn't quite understand the sophistication of difference between a religious freedom and 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 uh recreational like well i'm using this because i'm see i'm trying to for the best possible mm. me i can be mm -hmm. i'm like that's recreational i right. know you have a purpose behind it but you're it's still recreational use right. um it's, it's not so, within a sacramental environment they're not creating a container they're not using it well, as a or they might sacrament. be they well, might be, yeah. but they're not doing it under an organized religion. Right. It's still then, underground. It's still it's underground. underground. Yeah, it's still underground. And uh, even organized, I think, is, you know, well, these faith-based uh, uh, organizations uh, under the RFRA, the 508C1As, I mean, I have spoken with quite a few of them. And, you know, they are using it as a sacrament. They are uh, locking it under lock and key, and they are maintaining the rigor of the DEA. However, to your point, the DEA hasn't come a knock -up. you know, and they haven't really said, hey, this is fine. Hey, this is not fine. So there is a real gray area here. And, you know, while these churches pop up and people say we're a church at a particular point in time, that can you know, they can come under, you know, lock and key and say, you know, well, show us how you're a church and show us how you're, and there are, there is a lot of rigor in setting up these churches. So um, let me ask you though, uh, from the viewpoint of when we were at the conference, one of the things I was struck by was just the mass of humanity. We had scientists, we had doctors, mm -hmm. we had venture capitalists, we had people who were you know, uh, involved in uh, uh, developing, uh, who are bioscientists involved in creating new substances. So I'm wondering from that viewpoint, do you see in, you know, the, I mean, they've been used for centuries. You know, do you see, uh, uh, do you think the potential to mainstream these therapies is possible? Do you think that we're going to see uh, maybe a, a flip over from SSRIs to psychedelic therapies. I mean, what's your sense? And and then how does that landscape change when we start taking a look at pharmaceutical companies who haven't really jumped into the space yet? They are funding a lot of these startups and a lot of these venture, you know, a lot of the VCs are going in there and, and funding the startups. Where do you think that's going in terms of the money? Because you always follow the money. And supposedly this industry is going to be a $10 billion industry within the next few years. So I think yes to all of it. So I'm going to I'm breaking that into pieces. I mean, psychedelics have been used as medicines for at least hundreds, if not mm -hmm. thousands of years. Mm -hmm. um, we know antidepressants don't work on 
roughly 40% of the people that they're prescribed. We mm -hmm. know that even when they do work, it can take six to 14 weeks for them to have effect. We know that when they work, mm -hmm. that the side effect price tag is brutal from everything from sexual dysfunction, gastrointestinal mm -hmm. issues, um, weight gain, sweats, mm -hmm. suicidal ideation for, for young people. It's, it's a very mm -hmm. expensive price tag for side effects. Mm -hmm. And with these, with these psychedelic medicines, none of those exist. Mm -hmm. They are they are by all measures safer. They are all me measures more tolerable. They most uh, the the research that we have shows that they're more effective, and they show that they're faster. Mm -hmm. So, do I think there are going to be people who have been on antidepressants who mm -hmm. somehow switch who switch over? Yes. Do I think there are people who should be on antidepressants mm -hmm. and now find their way to this and this works better? Absolutely. Um, and I, and I think it's just a matter of time. So mm -hmm. as a, if we put our industry hats on in the 3D mm -hmm. world that we live, absolutely, there's going to be, there's going to be training companies, there's going to be distribution companies, whether they're clinics, whether they're mm -hmm. mail or telehealth, there's going to be drug development companies that might be just perfecting a single strain of a specific medicine and how it's delivered in a specific dose form with packaging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And what I truly mm -hmm. hope we also have for those who find their way to um, mm -hmm. non-pharmaceutical mm -hmm. grade mm -hmm. that it, there's still there's a safer way to do it that you can you don't need to go to an underground market where you don't know what you're buying and you don't know what it's laced with to get mm -hmm. safe medicine and use it for right. other purposes. So I'm hoping right. that all of the above happens in the in the in, in the years that you and I have left to uh, to watch. Mm. So what do you say to those people who are opposed to psychedelic therapy? They're opposed to, you know, this whole area of um, research thinking or, or development. Um, what do you say to them? I, I think what's beautiful about someone who comes out and says they're opposed is it's such an invitation for a conversation. I haven't met anyone who's opposed who really is educated on what psychedelic medicine does. They're like I was. We were anyone born from 1971 till today has lived their entire life in a prohibition. Mm -hmm. So we've been fed from our government, from our media, from the combination of media, academics, and and law enforcement over and over. Drugs are bad. Just say no. It's going to fry mm -hmm. your brain. There's no medical purposes. Over and over. So we're mm -hmm. trying to. We are fighting against 50 years of programming mm. in these discussions. So when people are opposed to psychedelics, my instinct is great. Now that someone's raised their hand and basically said, How, why, why should I not, why should I believe what you're saying versus what the government? And then we can have a real discussion. So the people mm. who don't raise their hand that we don't know how they feel that I'm much more concerned about. But this is a, mm -hmm. anyone who, who has doubts is a great mm. person to talk to we talk about 309 academic institutions right now are studying mm -hmm. psychedelics mm -hmm. we talked about 89,000 papers right it's overwhelming evidence and right. it's bipartisan support as soon as you start talking to them about well you realize that veterans with treatment resistant post-traumatic stress disorder three sessions with mdma and 67 percent no longer have ptsd mm, and they go right. what six right. that can't be true it's not only true it's phase three clinical trial true mm -hmm absolutely mm -hmm. true right and then minds start getting changed hearts start getting changed and that's kind of the point of this book if people if people if we can get people to read or to listen to your podcast or listen mm -hmm. to these types of conversations i don't think it's that hard to change the minds and the hearts that the information is there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's beautiful i i really love that and uh you know i you mentioned a couple of things and i'm 
you know, I, I, I realized that we could probably talk for um, a really days. long time for days. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, you know, what what do you think right now needs to happen in order for psychedelics to become accepted as a form of treatment? What do I what? think needs to happen? I mean, I you mentioned, it... I mean, we talk about 89,000 papers, you know, 400 uh, clinical trials, stools, you know, Hopkins uh, is involved. I mean, er everyone is involved in, in, in this. And what, what, what more needs to happen? I think this is this is a time game, Keith. That mm -hmm. I mean, we're even Colorado is fifty three percent to forty seven thousand or forty seven percent. Mm -hmm. We're talking about well over a hundred thousand votes in favor mm -hmm. of legalizing this. As these ballot initiatives come up and people mm -hmm. start looking at the facts, it's just hard to argue. As dysfunctional as our government can be, this is something that's getting support on on both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. So we just, I think, I think everybody. Keep doing what you're doing. If you're fighting for the legalization for a medical model, great. Mm -hmm. All the power to you. How can I help? If you're if you're on the decrim nature side and you're and you want to decriminalize these medicines and you believe that's the best path to forward, great. How can I help? Um, if you're on the publishing side or the um, academic side and mm -hmm. you're just trying to get the information out there, fantastic. How can I help? Um, but as different audiences find their way to information. Um, like again, this this is why mm -hmm. did I do a book? Why am I doing all these podcasts and radio and television? Mm -hmm. It's all of the everybody I speak with has a different audience, mm. um, and I don't need to speak with anyone in the psychedelic space. They're already on this. I need to speak with the depression space, mm -hmm. the anxiety space, the OCD, the eating disorders, the smoking or uh, weight loss, um, mindfulness, mm -hmm. people who don't know, um, and more of us can can keep doing this work and and normalizing our experiences. We are productive people of society that have had different types of challenges in our lives and here's how psychedelic medicine has impacted us so i want to read something then i want to ask you one final question as we start to wrap up here sure so uh there's uh, in the preface of your book part one uh you have a quote here uh and i'd like to read it it says i understood that our entire universe is contained in the mind and the spirit we may choose not to find access to it we may even deny its existence but it is indeed there inside us. And there are chemicals that can catalyze its availability. Alexander Shulgin. I love that quote. Right. So beautiful quote. I want to ask you a closing question here. Uh, and maybe it's a lead in from the quote. Uh, what do you hope readers will take away from the book? I, I hope that readers take away that these medicines work for a variety of people for a variety of reasons and one reason isn't any better than any other reason it's just it but it's all okay mm -hmm. that these uh medicines are um studied they are safe they are effective mm -hmm. and they should be available and for those that are reading it because they're curious for themselves yeah i hope it gives them the confidence to go out and, and find their way to whatever medicine is calling them and for those that are looking for answers because they're they have loved ones who are struggling with mm -hmm. treatment resistant ptsd or depression or anxiety mm -hmm. or any of these other illnesses help them find the way help mm -hmm. them read get this information help them mm -hmm. see that there's an alternative that their doctors mm -hmm. might not have told them about Beautiful. and 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 help and i hope finally that as they read this mm -hmm. this isn't french this isn't just some some 
mm-hmm. quacks talking about, oh, this this is going to work. This is tens of thousands of academic papers. Hard science. Hard science. Mm-hmm. And it's just we're fighting against 50 mm-hmm. years of programming and all mm-hmm. of that's fine. It's all fine. But mm-hmm. this is where we are today. We haven't had a change. We haven't had a substantial change in mental health treatment since the invention of the antidepressant more than 50 years ago. It is time and this technology is here. Mm-hmm. It's here right now. Mm-hmm. So why are we letting people mm-hmm. suffer? Why are we letting people stay in pain mm-hmm. when we can help? Mm-hmm. So the mindfulness experience, you don't have to sit and meditate for 30 years. You can certainly come to a point where you can relax the default mode network, start to deal with a lot of your traumas, come face to face with yourself in your own life and your own death in some case to really wake up to a better life and a better you. So your hope and wish for the book, I think is wonderful. I uh, really want to tell people that the book is uh, available. It's available uh, in all of uh, on all the platforms from what I could see Amazon as well as uh, a lot of other platforms. We haven't really gotten into the cashew though, Matt. I, I, you know, as I, I don't mean many other cashews around, but uh, I think that's maybe a subject that we can bring offline. Well, no, let's 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 end with just a quick let's end a quick dive, <laughs> quick quick quick. because I, mean, I know we both have good, have good, timing good, here. Yeah. So, uh-huh. for me, my my father was Jewish, and my so my I had, and I had a re, I was uh-huh. very close with my grandmother. Uh-huh. Um, who just couldn't understand how my mm-hmm. father married a Catholic woman, mm-hmm. couldn't understand that as a goyim. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They were the chosen people, mm-hmm. all right. that type of positioning. And then on my mom's right. side, it was a Midwestern farm family, so mm-hmm. very Catholic. Right. And um, and they couldn't understand. They I don't know if they even had, mm-hmm. would say they ever met a Jewish person before my right. father. Um, so I was kind of the, when my parents got divorced, mm-hmm. I was kind of the religious football between the mm-hmm. two camps right. as a yeah. path, way yeah. to be on passive the, aggressive on, against on, the other. On the Catholic side, and I had the same situation. On the Catholic side, you're the religion of the father. On the Jewish side, you're the religion of the mother. So you're really neither. Correct. You kind of fall within the cracks, right? You definitely do. And then on the Catholic side, it's he who has the son of God has life. Yes. He does not. So grandma's not going to, to right. heaven on that side and, <laughs> and vice versa. So I didn't like either. And it really gave me a distaste for... Uh, for religion what i've now come to appreciate mm-hmm. here 50 years later is um i needed that experience so that i could understand the jewish tradition we celebrated both growing up mm-hmm. and i could understand catholicism and christianity right. and that um and i could understand the stories and the importance that people carry mm. and how that may tie into what is revealed to them in their psychedelic medicine journey so i'm yeah. grateful for all of it um, but it is, it was hard as a kid. It was hard as a kid to have other, my, my Jewish mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. be like, mm-hmm. you know what they call a, 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 a person with a Catholic mother and a Jewish father, a wannabe. Like it just, it was, there was, I felt not accepted. I, I felt not really I, not accepted on either side. I love that. I love that. I love that term. I didn't hear that term before I, I read it in your book and I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I have the same situation. And of course, I uh, studied uh, not only, you know, I, I actually got bar mitzvah, but then I became an interfaith minister. So mm-hmm. I say I'm a Judeo-Christian, Buddhist, Taoist, Hindu. And then yeah. I really believe that God is way too big for any faith and that the medicines really teach you that, that you are your own divine nature inside. So I think it's beautiful that we've met up, Matt. I think it's beautiful that you have this book. 
I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. How do people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, Keith, the easiest way is mattzeman.com. There's a bunch of information on me and on the book. If they're interested in my, and happy, the telemedicine company, it's happy with two wise.me. And then I'm active on LinkedIn and on Instagram. Um, but all those links are on my mattzeman.com site. So, uh, Feel Beautiful. free to reach out. I'm, I'm here to help. Don't be shy. Beautiful. Thank you, Matt. I really, really appreciate your time and I appreciate you doing this book. Uh, I'm going to continue using it as a great reference tool and uh, uh, good luck with uh, everything. I know you got a lot of other things going on. So thank Keith, you. Keith, the same to you. You're, you're having really important conversations. I've, I've known a number of your guests that you've had on and uh, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm very appreciative of, of the, the way you are getting the message out to, to the public. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.